the plane on the series uh, called Routine. Hopefully you got something out of this series. If not, we start a new series next week. I'll try harder, okay? Come back. Uh, if you're new, uh, or it's been a while since you, since you came here uh, to Journey, this series, uh, as I mentioned, is, has focused on the fact that August back to school is kind of when we all lock back into a routine. Some of us look forward to that. Summer's nice, but we look forward to having a little more predictable schedule. We're up at the same time, in at the same time. And, and yes, it's chaotic because maybe we're running a lot of different places, but it's somewhat predictable. The problem, as I mentioned, with predictable is it's predictable. And so we can live out of that predictable nature day after day and miss the fact that God is showing up. God is trying to intervene. God is wanting to speak to us. And by speaking to us, God wants to speak through us. He wants to reveal himself to us, capture our attention, our imagination, and remind us that he is present. And so we started the series by looking at just the way we see the world, the way we see our surroundings. And, and those ordinary views often have eternity mixed into them. We talked about ordinary acts, just small things we, we can do that matter to people. Uh, we, we talked about ordinary people, not that people are ordinary. They're created in the image of God, valued and loved by God. But they're, they're ordinary in that we see them all the time. We pass them all the time, and if we're not careful, many of them will fade into the background. We, we, will, we will miss acknowledging them, truly seeing and knowing that they're there. And then last week we talked about just the ordinary moments of our lives and how God wants to use those. We're going to finish this series by talking about ordinary words, just the things that we say in our ordinary day. Many of us, I think, withhold words of encouragement or or positive words, or words of, of gratitude, sometimes because we're not sure what to say. We think we might not say the right thing, and so we don't say anything. Some of us withhold words of encouragement because we just feel like we're too busy. Like, I don't have time. They don't have time. Uh, the, the routine is taking us so many places so quickly. There's no time for that. Some of us withhold words of encouragement because we're afraid it'll be awkward. Like, it'll be awkward if I say that. They'll think it's weird. And so we don't do it. Or, or maybe we think, um, you know, I want to get them a card. I want to write them a note. I don't want to just say it. Like, I want to I write something to them, which is great. I'm all for written notes and cards, especially in this internet world that we live in. That, that, that has a, a special value to it. But maybe you're like me. Sometimes I'm thinking I need to thank somebody or I need to tell somebody this meant a lot to me. I want to get them a card, and then I never get them a card. And so I don't get them a card, and I don't say it. And getting them a card becomes an excuse, and, and it never gets said. We have all of these reasons why we could say things. We could encourage people, and yet we, we don't. Sometimes, we, sometimes our excuse is, I bet they already know it. Like it'll be weird because I bet people tell them this all the time. I bet they've heard this before. I bet somebody has said that to them in the past. So let me just, let me just do a survey this morning. How many of you, 
by show of hands, raise your hand if you're that person and, and you don't need any more encouragement in your life. You have enough. Like you, you have enough. People have said too many nice things to you. You don't want any more nice things said to you. You're good. You're full. No encouragement needed. Okay, that's nobody. Right? That's nobody. File this little scientific study away. This is how everybody you meet feels. There's nobody that you meet in your family, at your office, friend, neighbor, stranger, spouse, child. There's nobody walking around with just too much encouragement, right? I'll say it like this. No one you meet has a surplus of encouragement. Nobody has a surplus. They don't have extra. Nobody's looking around at their life and thinking, I just got too much encouragement. I got to get rid of some of this. We need to put it on sale. I got to get rid of this inventory. Stop encouraging me. It's just too much. Nobody. Nobody you meet, whether you know them or you don't know them, friend or stranger, nobody's walking around with a surplus, extra encouragement, and not in need of more. I, I think one of the reasons we don't walk around with a surplus of encouragement is because we burn through encouragement so quickly. The shelf life, and it shouldn't be this way, the shelf life on most encouragement is really, really short. Uh, depending on which article you read, which, which research you look at, and Jason may have hit on some of this back in July when he taught. Depending on which research you look at, we need somewhere between five and ten positive comments made to us to offset one negative comment. Somewhere between five to ten, depending on the study. Somewhere between five and ten words of encouragement to offset one word of criticism that we get. We're burning through encouragement. Like ten's not enough. Because when we get that one word of criticism, it kind of shatters the ten that we just got. And you know this to be true. This has happened in your life. You, you've kind of lived your day. You've gone through your day. And somebody said something very positive to you at some point during the day. And someone said something very critical to you at another point during the day. And when you got to the end of your day and you're get, getting ready to lay down, which one are you thinking about the most? Probably the criticism. That's the way most of us work. We're, we're turning over in our brains that word of discouragement, that word of encouragement. We burn through encouragement at an alarming rate, which is why none of us are living our lives with surplus encouragement. You're not. The people that you meet are not, and I get it. You probably can't completely fill someone's encouragement bucket. I probably can't be all 10 words of encouragement for somebody, but I can be one. You can be one. Together, we could be two. Like we can make deposits. You may not be able to fill up the whole bucket that they need for the day, but you could be one or two or three. You could speak some words to them. And yes, there are many ways to give encouragement. There, there's verbal ways, there's tangible ways. And tangible ways can be really important, right? That, that's a nice way to express encouragement. There certainly are tangible ways to show gratitude. There are tangible ways to uh, show encouragement. I'm happy to accept your tangible $100 bill to show me encouragement. Happy to, just kidding, just kidding. Told the first service, don't post online. The pastor was trying to get everybody to give him a hundred dollar bill today. It's a joke. It's just a joke. 
There are tangible things that you can give and do for people that show encouragement. That needs its own message. This is a message about words because the words that you use are powerful. They're weighty. This is one of the things the Bible teaches us over and over again, that your words matter. They have an impact on people. They're powerful. They have weight to them. They have value to them. To communicate to someone, you are seen, you are known, you understand, you're praying for them, you love them, you are grateful for them. Over and over, the Bible says that matters, that is important, that is weighty. And it doesn't have to be a 30-minute conversation. It can be a 30-minute conversation. It doesn't have to be a 30-minute conversation. In your normal routine of coming and going, you are passing people who need encouragement, and you can give it to them. And it matters, and it's powerful. They're just words has no meaning. But it's just words. We know it is never just words words it's a bit of a cliched example but we all grew up as children having our parents tell us sticks and stones may break my bones and but words will never hurt me and we became adults and realized they lie they lie because words can hurt and then the internet's invented social media's invented and we figure out not just spoken words can hurt but written words can hurt the words of somebody on our social media page can hurt. The words of complete strangers lodge in our hearts and our minds. They hurt for positive or negative. They have weight. They have value. The Proverbs writer says this in Proverbs 18, 21. The tongue has the power of life and death, and those who love it will eat its fruit. The tongue, the words you use, have the power of life and death. They can bring about great healing and great encouragement, and at the same time, they can bring about great discouragement and great criticism and great uh, defeat. Your words have the power of life and death. They're not just words. The New Testament, kind of the the classic uh, verses to go to when talking about words is James chapter 3. In James chapter 3, James is trying to help us understand the power of our words. They seem small, but they're incredibly powerful. So he uses illustrations like a bit in a horse's mouth. It's very small compared to the horse, certainly. It is a very small piece, but when it's in a horse's mouth, it gives you control over this huge animal. You can steer it one way or the other. You make it go and stop. Very small piece has outsized potential for what it can accomplish. Then he shifts to another illustration. Uh, he says, if you think of a large ship, it has a rudder compared to the whole ship. The rudder is very small, but the rudder is what decides which direction it goes. James says this is the way the tongue is, this is the way the mouth is, the way words are. They seem small, Compared to their size, they have this outsized potential for good or for home. Then he compares it to a spark. From the smallest spark, James says, a whole forest can be set on fire. Like We have very sad recent 
example of that. From, from the smallest of spark, a whole forest can be set on fire. It doesn't seem like much. It's very small. It has incredible power. It has outsized potential for good or for bad. Let me wrap all of that up. Compared to their size and the time it takes to say them, our words can do exponentially more good or harm than we realize. Compared to their size and the few seconds it takes to say them, our words can do exponentially more good or harm than we realize they are important. They are powerful. Again, they can lodge in the hearts and the minds of the people we speak them to. It has probably happened to you. Either a criticism and or an encouragement that somebody gave you 10 years ago. Something critical somebody said about you 20 years ago found a special place in your brain. And it pops up every once in a while just to remind you of what that person said. Or maybe it is an encouragement. Maybe somebody who believed in you, who spoke words of life into you. And just every so often you remember that moment Again, that's what Scripture is telling us. It's powerful. It's weighty. Our words can do exponentially more than we think they can do. And the great thing about offering encouragement, the great thing about speaking words of life is you don't need any training to do this. You don't have to take a special class. You don't need a certain college degree. You don't have to watch a YouTube video. You can just say it. You can just say these things to other people. You can speak life into other people if you'll stop making excuses. If you'll stop holding back. If you'll realize the value of what you have when it comes to your words. Listen, the simplest of words spoken in the ordinary routine of our day can matter to someone else. The simplest of words. You don't need a dictionary to find big words. You don't need a thesaurus. You don't need to write a poem. The simplest of words, the simplest of phrases spoken to someone else has incredible power to encourage them, to empower them, to help them know that somebody believes in them. Somebody saw what they did and appreciated it. The simplest of words said in the briefest of moments have incredible power to change someone else. But and here's kind of the kicker. The simplest of words spoken in the ordinary routine of your day can matter to us as well. It can matter to the speaker just like it matters to the one who heard it. It can matter to the one who said it just as it can matter to the one who received it. It matters to us. Um, recently, NPR published an article, and the article was titled, Why a Stranger's Hello Can Do More Than Just Brighten Your Day. Why a Stranger's Hello Can Do More Than Just Brighten Your Day. Uh, it, it, it started with a psychologist named Jillian Sandstrom and her experience earlier in life. Uh, Sandrum, Sandstrom was a professor on a college campus, and every day she had to walk from one building across campus to another building where she taught a class in the other building. And between those two buildings was a hot dog stand. And at the hot dog stand, almost every day was the same lady. 
And as she walked by, they would wave. And they would smile. And they would say, hello. And this happened day after day after day. And suddenly, being a psychologist and analyzing everything, Sandstrom began to notice what was happening in her as this happened. How she anticipated this interaction. How she felt after the interaction, as brief as it was. She also noticed what she began to feel when the lady wasn't there. She didn't work every day. She took some days off. She was sick occasionally. There was something that happened in this psychologist, this kind of discouragement that she felt when she didn't have that interaction. Now, later in her life, she puts together a study of what these type of interactions mean for us. They, they've eventually come to be called weak ties, weak ties. In other words, um, Sandstrom and this lady were not friends. They weren't buddies. They weren't really even acquaintances. They didn't even always speak. They just acknowledged each other. They weren't family. They didn't see each other outside of these few seconds as she passed the hot dog stand. Sandstrom didn't even get a hot dog when she went by. These are weak ties. People that we see out and about, but we don't really have a relationship with them. She began to study the impact of that sort of positive interaction on people. Here are some of the findings. Sandstrom and other scientists are now learning that even the most casual contact with strangers and acquaintances can be tremendously beneficial to our mental health. People who had brief conversations or interactions with more strangers or weak ties tended to be happier. Not just the person you, you spoke to, but you, the one who waved, the one who smiled, the one who said hello, the one who said you're doing a great job. When you say that, research says you're happier. You feel better. This thought from a psychiatrist that was uh, quoted in the article. All of these micro-encounters seem, seem to affirm our belonging, seem to affirm that we are seen and recognized by others, even the most casual contact. Micro-encounter. Short moments where somebody speaks, acknowledges another person. We share in our humanity. We recognize each other. Even those brief moments resulted in a more fulfilling life. Or this finding. The richer the mix of different relationships and people's daily conversations, the happier and more satisfied they felt. For example, someone who talks to lots of different kinds of people, strangers, acquaintances, friends, family, colleagues, in a day is likely to feel happier than someone who talks only to, say, colleagues and friends. Okay, disclaimer. This is not my attempt to turn us all into extroverts, okay? I know the introverts are getting uncomfortable <clears throat> with where all of this is heading. Uh, introverts are going to rise up, storm the castle. If they weren't so introverted, they would do that. <laughs> but they're going to think about doing that. Introverts, I love you. I am one of you. Okay, I'm, by personality, my nature 
is, is, is toward the introvert side of the spectrum. One of you, I'm on your side. But what research is discovering and what God's word kind of already told us is that whether you're introverted or extroverted, acknowledging other people is good for you. Whether you're introverted or extroverted, being kind is good for you. Whether you're introverted or extroverted, and I know there's a range, like there's a spectrum of introverted, extroverted, and all of that sort of thing. I realize that how this gets lived out practically is going to be filtered through who you are and, and your personality and your nature. All of that is true. We're not all going to do this the same way. But what research has discovered and God had already affirmed is that encouragement for another person, it works out for your good. It makes you happier. It makes you have a better perspective on life. Remember the verse we read, Proverbs 18, 21. The tongue has the power of life and death. And then this was the next phrase. And those who love it will eat its fruit. Those who value it will see the benefit of speaking words of kindness and goodness and love, acknowledging another's humanity. The tongue has the power of life and death, and those who recognize that, those who value it, those who love that, they'll reap the benefits. They'll eat the fruit. They'll see the goodness of it. And I get it. Some of you, you're already thinking, there are crabby people in the world, and they're going to stay crabby, right? I totally understand. There are grumpy people. They're just going to be grumpy, no matter who talks to them. There are angry people who are determined to stay angry right now. Right? Those people are out there. You're going to encounter one or two of those along the way. The vast majority of people would love to be encouraged, would love to hear a word of kindness, would love to know that somebody noticed who they are and what they did. In the tongue is the power of life and death. Earlier in Proverbs chapter 18, <clears throat> there's this wonderful phrase. The words of the mouth are deep waters. The words of the mouth are deep waters. There's something to them. There's weight to them. There's value to them, the words of the mouth are deep waters. They're valuable. They come from the deepest places within us, and often they land in the deepest places of the person that we say them to. The words of the mouth are deep waters. Value that. Recognize how important what you say to someone else really is. Uh, over in the Old Testament, <clears throat> Throughout the Old Testament, there was this practice, uh, both on an individual level and on a corporate level, like a, a whole nation of Israel level, there was this practice of pronouncing a blessing over people. That's what, that's what it was called. It was called a blessing. It was words. It was just words spoken to an individual or words spoken to a whole group of people. Let me, let me give you one of the most famous. This is Numbers chapter 6. This was spoken by the priest to all of the people that were assembled. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. 
the Lord turn his face toward you and give you peace. It was just words. It was just words that somebody said. But when the nation heard those words, what they heard was, our God is with us. Our, our, our God is leading us. We have hope as a people. Peace is really possible. It was just words that somebody said, but the way it landed was way more than words. Another example. <clears throat> Jacob has all the sons. Joseph is one of those sons. If you remember the story of Joseph, he's sold into slavery, ends up in Egypt, becomes second in command, and really long story, his whole family's reunited. When his father, Jacob, is, is nearing the end of his life, Joseph brings his two sons to his father, their grandfather, and asks Jacob if he would bless the sons of Joseph. And as was done when a father or grandfather gave a blessing, they would put their hands on the head or the heads of the people that they were getting ready to bless. And so Jacob, he puts his hands on Joseph's two sons, and this is what he says. May the God before whom my fathers Abraham and Isaac walked faithfully, the God who has been my shepherd all my life to this day, the angel who has delivered me from all harm, May he bless these boys. May they be called by my name and the names of my father Abraham and Isaac. And may they increase greatly on the earth. These are just words. They're just words. But spoken by a grandfather to his grandson, these were words that said, I'm proud of you. I love you. I'm glad you bear my name. You are part of our legacy now, and I wish you good. I have hope for you. I have confidence in you. They're just words. But they're never just words. Some of you know what it was like to have a parent who verbally and the way they related to you conveyed that sort of sentiment to you. As a son or a daughter, you had a father and or a mother who said in word and in deed, I'm proud of you. I believe in you. I have so much hope for your future. I see what God is going to do in your life, I believe in you. And you know what that meant to you. You know the place in your heart where that settled. And you maybe even go back to that from time to time. They believed in me. They had hope for me. They, they were proud of me. And some of you, let's be honest... Some of you did not hear that. Did not hear that. You longed to hear that. Your heart wanted to hear that. You wanted there to be a time when your mother or your father said, I'm proud of you. I believe in you. And possibly for you, you, you spent a great deal of time trying to find those words from someone else. 
You wanted to hear somebody else say that, and I pray that you found it. I pray that if it wasn't your parents, it was somebody who said, you matter. You belong. You are gifted and unique and special, and you are loved because you deserve to hear that. You deserve to hear those words, no matter what anybody else has said about you in your life. No matter what other messages anyone else gave to you, you are loved. God believes in you. God hopes good for you. Doesn't that change you? When somebody says those things to you. And don't you feel it when you long for those words? The words of the mouth are deep waters. Whether you received it or not, you have the power to give it. You have the power to give this to other people. And when you do, it'll matter to you. It'll change you. It'll bring joy and happiness and fulfillment more and more to you. It's just words. But it's never just words. God, I, I thank you that you affirm us again and again in your word that we are loved that we are cherished, that we are your children, we are valued, we have hope because of you. You loved and valued us enough to send your son for us. And yet the truth is, because we're humans, we long to hear that from other humans. We really do. And some of us got that, and, and some of us didn't. Some of us, some of us found it through other avenues and, and other people who stepped into our life and spoke good into our life. But the amazing thing is we have the ability to give that away. It doesn't cost us anything. We don't need to be trained. We just need to say it. Just say it. It's just words that are never just words. In Jesus' name.